guys, I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. We're the hosts of the true crime podcast, Strictly Stalking. Brought to you from Podcast One. Each week, Strictly Stalking gives stalking survivors the platform to share their stories in their own words. Do you know why survivors refer to stalking as murder in slow motion? Have you ever felt like you were being hunted by a stranger? Would you know where to turn if a stalker was living in your house and you didn't know? We're bringing you these stories to raise awareness about stalking and give you the resources to know what to do if you or someone you know is being stalked. So tune in to Strictly Stalking each week as we dive into the largely unknown crime of stalking. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite true crime podcast. This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Podcast. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case. Before we get started, Olivia, as always, it's wonderful to see you. How are you? I know you were battling a little bit of what I was dealing with on the old funk illness side, but how are you doing? How's your week been? It's wonderful to see you. It's always a pleasure, John. I'm beginning to think that we are able to pass our cooties to one another via Zoom because it's like you'll be sick and then I'll be sick and then we just pass it back and forth. And that's how it's been like the last six months. But I'm doing pretty good. I just kind of sound a little snuffly, I guess. Snuffle, snuffly. I don't know. Snuffly. One of the two. No, it's it's funny. I think we, you know, we're just passing a virus back and forth. Get it? Because mm-hmm. it's over the computer. Over the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Puns. So, well, I am definitely sorry to hear that you're not feeling well. Somebody who is just kind of getting over it. And I mean, I know here in Nashville, it was 30 degrees and then today it was 70. So everybody's allergies. I mean, the wife, the kid, everybody's allergies are going nuts right now. But yeah, I'm pretty certain that's what happened to me. Because I am allergic to the world. So I slept with the window open the first cold night we had. The wind was real, was blowing real hard. 
you know, and then I sleep with animals that I'm allergic to, you know, it's a win-win all around. Yeah. There's nothing like being allergic to a bunch of animals and being like, I should have a house full of these animals that I'm allergic to. So right, right. Ellie's the only one that's safe. We've done all the COVID tests. Like, uh, you know, they, the doctor was like, could be viral, could be bacterial. So here's steroids, here's antibiotics and just kind of taking everything. So I think it's just that time. Hopefully if you were listening, you are avoiding this weather related funk. Hopefully everybody's staying happy and healthy and feeling good. But I am really excited to talk about this week's episode, the case that you're bringing, because I, I mentioned it in our Facebook group. Typically, October 31st is like a great day for me. And then November 1st, I just get sad immediately because my favorite holiday is over. But you have brought an insane case this week, which is still kind of keeping me in the Halloween spirit, even though it's Thanksgiving themed. So I'm super excited to get into it because it's crazy. Uh, what do you say? Should we just jump in? Because this is one of those ones that like, no pun intended, but like my mouth was watering to was, get into this case and start breaking it down. I was going to say this one's juicy. Very juicy. Listeners, you'll get what we mean as we go through it for <laughs> sure. But what do you think? Should we just jump in? Yes. And I don't know if I should give like a trigger warning now or if I should give one later, but this one gets a little gruesome just as a little FYI. Yeah, there is a lot of very, I would say, gory details in this case, which, you know, we have our general content warning at the beginning of every episode, but we also don't want anybody listening and feeling uncomfortable or anything like that. So just a heads up, if it gets too much for you, feel free to turn it off, come back, you know, next week, anything like that. But knowing our listeners in the Facebook group, I think this is one that they're going to be really psyched on. So I think so. All right. Well, we're going to start this story back in Egypt, and that might actually give away this case um, because some people might be familiar with it. It happened in the early 1990s. Omaima Nelson was born in 1968 and raised in Cairo, Egypt. She had a traumatic upbringing of abuse and genital mutilation. But in 1986, she was able to immigrate to the United States and settle in California. Once stateside, she worked as a nanny while trying to establish a modeling career. Meanwhile, Bill Nelson was a pilot living in California. In 1984, he was caught smuggling drugs and was sentenced to four years in federal prison. Once he was released on parole, he was able to start a new career in a mortgage company. In October 1991, Bill and Omaima met at a bar playing pool. He was instantly attracted to her stunning beauty, and the pair immediately fell head over heels in love. They would be married just a few days after knowing one another. Omaima was 23 and Bill was 56. To friends and co-workers, it was odd that the two would marry so quickly. The couple spent their honeymoon visiting Bill's family in the South around Texas. But when they returned home, it seemed the honeymoon phase was over. Just one month after their nuptials, their relationship would take a turn on Thanksgiving Day. On that day in November, Omaima viciously stabbed her husband with a pair of scissors in the chest and stomach before hitting him with a clothes iron. She hit him repeatedly with the iron before it broke in her hands. Ultimately, Bill would succumb to his injuries and lay dead in the Costa Mesa, California apartment. And it was then that Omaima started to clean up the crime scene in a very unusual way. So before we get into what she did next, I just want to talk about these people and the connection because it is just such a interesting relationship and like just two very interesting people with very interesting backgrounds that going through the story, I was like, it's crazy that these two met each other. Like 
one escaped Egypt and oppression and like you mentioned, genital mutilation. I mean, just terrible things. The other one's a pilot who's smuggling drugs. You know what I mean? This crazy, it sounds like a Tom Cruise movie. You know what right. I mean? They just meet casually in Orange County playing pool, basically. Yeah. And then get married a few days later and she ends up stabbing him to death and then beating him with a clothes iron until the iron falls apart. I mean, like that is brutal. Mm-hmm. Millie has these things are called fuse beads, which if you're a parent, I don't know if you know what they are. You might have played with them when you're a kid, but like they're these little beads you put on like it's like a star shape or like a rainbow and you make the pattern and then you heat it up with an iron. Oh, and they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they fuse together. So, you know, Carol was in there. Using, an iron has got some like weight to it. You know, mm-hmm. I had one in my hands like for the first time in forever the other day and I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, it's it's hefty. So to think about just beating someone to death with that until it like falls apart in your hands is I mean, that's hardcore brutal. Like, I, I just don't know any other way to explain it. It's insane. Absolutely. Well, this is where it's going to get a little more gruesome. She proceeded to bring his body to the kitchen where she began to dismember it piece by piece. She placed some of his remains in trash bags and loaded them into Bill's 1975 Corvette. She drove to her friend's house a few days after the murder to ask for help of disposing her late husband's body. In exchange for their help, she offered her friend $75,000. So I'm going to let you do your um, cost of inflation. Okay, you know I love the adjusted for inflation. So $75,000 in 1991 is the equivalent in purchasing power today to about $169,487.33. So it's a good amount of money. Like That's a random check you're writing there. Just give me 170 and we'll call it even. Right. And, you know, I would imagine if Bill was a pilot and if she had like a semi-successful modeling career, it's not beyond the imagination that they would have access to that kind of money, I guess, living in California at that time, stuff like that. But would that be enough for you to help hide a body or dispose of a body? No, not at all. I won't tell you my price limit, but no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. If you need DM us, if you have a guess, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I would never. Uh, it kind of, I, I don't know. Maybe it depends on the person. Like, <laughs> What's your price, John? You got like a I price? Said, depends on the person. What One, if I offered you $10 million? Well, you know, if you could drop off the earth and change, like, you know, we were talking if about I could this disappear, before. I might would help. No, that's wrong. And I also didn't do it. I'm just helping dispose. So it's like a lesser charge. Do you know what my mom taught me? Guilty by association. Yeah, but your mom had $10 million. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) So, no, morally, I wouldn't be able to do it, but I would would definitely win the $1.5 billion Powerball and not get any taxes taken out of it. Yeah, I wouldn't have the moral ability to do it, but I would definitely be lying if I didn't say that there'd be like a 30 seconds where I was like, oh, 100%. Oh, that's a lot of money. You know what I mean? The moral person in me would be like, no, go to the police, Olivia. Take the take the 10 grand reward money that the police will give you. Right. We're independent podcasters. Somebody could be like, I'll give you seventy five dollars. And for a second, I'd be like, well, we could buy stickers. Like there's some (laughs) stuff we could do with it. So (laughs) we are totally kidding, folks. Totally kidding. However, 
her friend did use better judgment and reported the incident directly to the police. So obviously $75,000 was not her price point. Authorities quickly rushed to the friend's home and began searching the Corvette. And what they found was truly disturbing. Detectives knew they were looking at human remains, but they were so dismembered, it was difficult to assess exactly what type they were looking at. Omaima was detained all day on that Sunday after Thanksgiving. And on Monday morning, Bill was reported missing as he had not shown up for work. This brought further suspicion that the remains found in the Corvette belonged to Bill. Now, meanwhile, detectives did an extensive search of their California apartment. And what they found next was even more unimaginable. Bags and suitcases were discovered inside the home. Each held multiple body parts and a dark liquid soaking all of the luggage. In the kitchen sat a fry cooker. Inside were two human hands sitting in the oil. In the freezer, they found Bill's decapitated head staring right back at them. His head had multiple apparent stab wounds. Their lower neighbor in the apartment complex was interviewed and reportedly told police they recalled hearing what sounded like a garbage disposal running almost constantly for the last two days. Police were able to see flesh and blood left in the sink where Omaima tried to dispose of some of Bill's body. Now, Omaima Nelson was arrested on December 2, 1991 and charged with the murder of her husband of only one month, Bill Nelson. The trial would begin a year later on December 1, 1992 during which Omaima would testify in court. In her testimony, she shocked the courtroom. She told the jury that after she and Bill married, he became very sexually abusive. During the five weeks that the couple knew each other, Bill reportedly solicited his wife to older men in exchange for cash, rent, and even a car. She claimed the night that Bill was killed, he attempted to rape her, but Omaima tried to fight him off. She was able to grab a pair of scissors and repeatedly stabbed him over and over. As the fight continued, she hit him with the clothes iron. Omaima confessed that after the attack, she freaked out and fell into a trance. She claimed to have blacked out for about 12 hours. And it was during this time that she began to cut up Bill's body to help dispose of him. Omaima admitted to dismembering his body, his head, hands, and castrating him as revenge for what he had done to her. She confessed to boiling his head before placing it in the freezer. She was planning to have an ex-boyfriend help her to remove his teeth once his head was frozen. Now she boiled his fingers to remove the fingerprints and placed his hands in a deep fryer. There was no doubt that Omaima had killed her husband, but it would be up to the jury to decide if the defendant was truly acting in self-defense. District Attorney Randy Polowski argued that Omaima had killed her husband intentionally. He told the jury that she was plotting to steal from Bill. They brought up her past of using sex to manipulate older men for money. Pulowski described Omaima as a predator who preyed on men using bondage and sex games to rob them. They felt this was another one of her acts, and this time it was against her own husband. Omaima's public defender, Thomas Mooney, claimed she acted in self-defense after her husband tried to rape her on that Thanksgiving day. Mooney told the jury about her past abuse from previous partners. He shared events from her childhood in Egypt with the jury, describing how her genitals were mutilated as a young girl. During her time in jail, she underwent an extensive psychological evaluation. She talked about the severe stress she was under during her five-week marriage to Bill. He would physically and sexually abuse her daily. She admitted to the psychiatrist that she suffered serious abuse as a child. 
Omima shared that she was molested, beaten, and forced to have her female genitalia mutilated. Over the course of her life, she was in multiple abusive relationships with men in the U.S. before meeting Bill. These evaluations revealed that she suffered from PTSD and had also been suffering from battered woman syndrome. Dr. Scheffner ultimately diagnosed her as psychotic, as Omaima told him that she dressed in a red hat, wore red high heels, and put on red lipstick as she spent the evening dismembering her husband. She continued to tell Dr. Scheffner that she ate the ribs of her husband after she cooked and coated them in barbecue sauce. She said, quote, I did his ribs just like in a restaurant. She continued to say that she sat at the table to eat, saying out loud to herself, It's so sweet. It's so delicious. I like mine tender. Now, the trial ended on January 6, 1992, with the jury deliberating for only six days. Ultimately, Omaima Nelson was found guilty of second-degree murder. According to the jury foreman, it was a really tough, tough decision. We couldn't come back with the first-degree murder because we couldn't find the evidence. It wasn't there. It took us six days. We worked really hard. Now, on January 12, 1992, Judge Robert Fitzgerald sentenced Omaima Nelson to 28 years to life. Since being in prison, Omaima has denied eating the remains of her late husband, Bill. She was eligible for parole in 2006, but was denied when the commissioner found her unpredictable and a serious threat to the general public. Again, in 2011, she was denied parole by the board, claiming she had not taken responsibility for the murder and would not be a productive citizen should she be released. Now, Mima Nelson is not eligible for parole again until 2026. In October 2020, Nelson applied for authorization to file a second habeas petition. This was on the basis of a new constitutional right recognized by the Supreme Court in 2018. Omaima argued that her Sixth Amendment right was violated when her counsel refused to enter her plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. However, Omaima didn't file her authorization in a timely manner. Now, Omaima has been compared to the cannibal Hannibal Lecter. I don't know if anybody remembers Silence of the Lambs. Who couldn't? I ate her liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. (laughs) And additionally, there's also been several shows that have been released about this gruesome murder. So that's it, John. Man. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy November, y'all. I'll tell you what. Unlike those ribs, it sounds like the jury had a really tough choice. Because those ribs, probably pretty tender. You know what I mean? But this. <laughs> you just can't help yourself. I can't you're help gonna myself. you going to cut all of this or you're going to keep this? I might leave that one. <laughs> that one will <laughs> stay. But yeah, this story is insane. When it starts. You know, as you're going through and you're talking about the story, right, it it does sound very much like a lot of other cases that we do where, you know, I've met a man, he sounded sweet, you know, we get married and then this abusive side comes out and maybe it's a case of self-defense. And I like am totally buying that until she's like, I put on my fanciest clothes, put on some red lipstick, put his hands in a deep fryer. I'm going to pull out his teeth once his head is like, this is psychopath stuff. You know what I mean? And then to be like, I also cooked him and ate him on Thanksgiving day. And for me, that's when the whole like self-defense thing kind of goes, goes out the table. There's nothing out the window, not the table, but you know what I mean? Well, something came off the table that day. Yeah. And apparently it was finger looking good, which is insane. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. How I don't many days have make... you been thinking about these? No, it's not even that. It's just, okay, this, listen, I understand not everybody has my sense of humor, but this story is so dark that for like for me to process it, I have to make jokes or I'm like, or else I'm like sick to my stomach. Oh, a hundred percent. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm not trying to speak ill of the, I feel, you know, even if Bill was in fact doing those things. No one deserves to be like be killed in this way. No one deserves to be killed and no one deserves to be dismembered and yeah. cooked. He should be in jail. You know, like, like I definitely believe there should have been ramifications for what he did. And I also want to say, you know, we talk about this uh, a whole heck of a lot, but if you are the victim of domestic violence, you can call 800-799-7233. That is the national domestic violence hotline. You can also text start to 88788 for, you know, assistance and and getting out of that situation. There's nothing funny about domestic violence, anything of that nature. Right. Uh, Right. But this story just goes off the rails and so dark, so quick. It's almost like it's not even true. It's so like, what, how could somebody do that? Right. And when you talk about how it's related or looked at and compared to, you know, silence of the lambs and Hannibal Lecter, like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense because it's batshit crazy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So if we're talking deadbolt test, where are you putting it? I mean, for me, I'm putting this at a nine for sure. It's a hard nine. And the reason that I'm putting it in a nine is the idea, right? I think we've all in our lives have had relationships where like you meet somebody, right? And it's kind of that instant attraction where you're like, oh, I think this is going to like be something. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and you have that and maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, right? But I don't think very many people think it's going to end this way, right? Like, no, you know, I know I've been in relationships where everything has started well and then it's, you know, it's ended up being very toxic and I'm glad that I got out of those situations and things like that. But in the end of that toxic relationship, nobody was eating the other person's ribs. You know what I mean? Like, right. (laughs) Olivia's licking her fingers for those. This is a, a audio medium. So people may not know, but, it hasn't ended that way. You know what I mean? And so to think that you can meet somebody, you fall instantly. And then over just a course of a few weeks, it devolves into such a crazy dark place. It's almost like I shouldn't have gone to the bar and played pool that night. Yeah. And, and you know, they knew each other for five weeks. Yeah. Five. And that's the other hard thing too, is that like Bill's not alive to dispute anything. So we're right. only hearing one side of the story. So why I, I tried to like never doubt anyone who's saying like I'm a victim of domestic violence because I'm not that guy in this case, because she sat down and literally ate him. I would be pretty interested in hearing Bill's side of the story if it was possible. You know what I mean? So like I said, there's nothing you know funny about domestic violence and domestic violence should always be treated seriously and and. I think we've talked about that a lot on this podcast about, you know, usually those cases are, are, you know, up at a, a nine, 10 for me. This one is at a nine just because like I, I could not believe the the chain of events. So I'm putting it at a nine. What about you? Where are you putting it? I'm putting it at an eight and I'm only putting it at an eight because I got so sick to my stomach researching this case, you know, and then it's kind of, I'm going to go back to the fact where you're like, 
you know, Bill's not here to defend himself, but also family and friends, like they spent their honeymoon with Bill's family, but like, that's not enough time for someone to get to know Omaima or their relationship together. So even friends and family couldn't really comment on their relationship other than it was very odd of how quickly they got married and were together. Oh yeah. Like, you know, Kara and I have friends that we love dearly that we see, you know, maybe every other month. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah, five weeks is nothing. We've been together now almost 10 years or a little over 10 years as of this year. So it's, you know, you think about five weeks, it is like a drop in a bucket. You know, mm-hmm. it's you hardly even know each other's favorite color in five weeks. Yeah. You're still like, you're still putting on the show, right? Like this is the best version of me. No red flags here. You know what I mean? Like that you're a little over a month in, you know? So to think that's what I'm saying. Like the scary thing for me is that somehow this devolves that quickly into a place that is so dark. You know what I mean? And that's where I'm like, this is just really, really intense. And I, I knew when you told me you were doing this case, I was like, Okay, I can't wait to hear what Olivia thinks after having to go through these details because I know I'm ne- you, you. I'm never dating again. I'm never going to play pool in a bar. <laughs> well, you have a weak constitution sometimes for the gory stuff, so it's yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, okay. go ahead and do that one. This one's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I needed a trigger warning myself. Well, that's where we fall on the deadbolt test for this week. Olivia's putting it at an eight. I'm putting it at a nine. But as always, we got to throw it out to the locksmiths, the listeners. Where does the murder of Bill Nelson by his five-week bride, Omaima Nelson, fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram, check the locks pod. Find us on Twitter, check the locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We would love to get to know you and spend some time with you. Olivia, like I said, this episode had my mouth watering for more. I don't know about you. I could use a five-star review for dessert. You got anything good for us? Yes, this week we have another five-star review from Canada from Ethan0911. They said, I'm a huge fan of true crime and this show is great. I look forward to it every week. So thank you, Ethan0911 from Canada for reaching out to us and leaving us a review. Yes, Ethan, thank you so much for taking the time to reach out and to leave that review. It is always really cool when we get, you know, reviews from all over the place, but to know that people are listening in other countries and things like that, it's just, it's just awesome to think that this little show kind of gets out so far. So thank you so much for taking the time. We would definitely love to send you some stuff. We got stickers, we got buttons, we got all sorts of stuff that we would love to send you for leaving that review. So again, reach out to us, Instagram, check the locks pod, find us on Twitter, check the locks, or if you're in our Facebook group, you can send us a direct message. We would love to get it out to you there as well. And if you're not a social person, head over to checkthelockspod.com. You can click the email button, send us an email there as well. We talk about it all the time, but these reviews, they really help us. They get us into other shows' recommendations. They help new listeners to find the show. And really the most important part, it, it helps us to grow our community, to bring in new locksmiths and members of our family. So Again, thank you for leaving that review. If you have left one, we truly appreciate it. And Olivia, if somebody is listening, they want to leave a review. What is the best way to do that? They need to go to the Apple podcast app, go to our show's homepage, scroll all the way down where you see all the five stars, click them all and leave us a little review. And maybe next week we will read yours out loud. Yes, that's right. And Olivia always says it best so that I don't have to. Again, if you haven't taken the time to leave us a review, if you like what we do, 
take a moment, head over to Apple Podcasts. You can also, if you listen on Spotify, you can leave a comment on the Spotify episodes and we will read those as well. So maybe Apple isn't your primary way of listening. We still want to get your feedback, share it on the show and be able to send you all some stuff as well. So if you need a cheat code, go into the description of this very episode. There's a link. It'll take you right there. And as always, if you want to financially support Check the Locks, you can do so by becoming a patron. Head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. We got a lot of great benefits, exclusive stickers, T-shirts, coffee mugs, all things that you can only get for being a patron. Plus, you get the episodes ad free and a little early. So if you hate commercials, but you love check the locks, Patreon is the way to go. So again, if you like what we do, want to help us keep the lights on, throw us a few bones, that's patreon.com forward slash check the locks. Get signed up today. And as always, if you can't financially support the show, we definitely understand just listening and sharing what we do with your friends and family means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you're hanging out with us, you're listening, you're sharing this little show with the people who are important to you. Just know that that means the world to us. Again, it is all about growing, finding new listeners and bringing more people into our community. So if you are helping us to do that, just know that we appreciate you more than we could ever tell you. That is all that we have for you for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to Check the Locks on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying true crime case. But until then, don't forget to Check the Locks. See you next week. Bye. Bye.